0: Mother, a place where we unpack all things related to mothering.
1: This is a community where we aim to create a comfortable space that allows for active discussion without judgment. Find us at thecuriousmother.com and follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at thecuriousmother. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. I'm Kristen Daly and I'm Melissa Miller. So, Melissa, what have you been curious about?
0: So, I've been curious. About a certain podcast that we have recorded and re-recorded and re-recorded.
1: Yes. I, <laughs> I think we, we have attempted this at least three times. I think maybe we've even done it twice in one day. That's right. Desperate to get it right.
0: Right. And we've yet to succeed. Yes. But hopefully this is the time. Yeah. If you're
1: hearing this, then
0: apparently this is the one we kept. <laughs> and the topic is wine culture.
1: Yes, moms and wine. Yes, who? Yeah, big one. It, it is a big one because I think that our the where we keep getting stuck. Right is we don't want to do any finger wagging, mm-hmm. and we don't want to do any pointing, and no we don't want to no shaming. Yeah, judging, shaming, drawing lines in the sand, creating wa- mommy wars, and I think that. This one feels like an area that could be really possible for that, right? Yeah. This
0: is a this is a hot button, and we might say things that are going to make people feel uncomfortable or defensive about how they're living their life, and we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. We just want to take a really thoughtful look at wine culture and getting everybody to start to really ask the questions of am I participating in wine culture in my life in the way that I want
1: to? Yeah. What? Where do we maybe want this to go? Like if we imagine that all of us in our own way are influencers, mm-hmm. are we happy with the direction it's moving in? Or is there somewhere that we would like to make a correction? You know? Yeah. So it's, it's funny. I've actually been able to discuss this topic with a few people recently, different groups of moms. And... One of the questions that I get when I bring it up initially is, why? Why do you need to have a podcast on wine culture? <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I and I think that it is a good question because it, it might be something that people maybe don't recognize or see or don't mm-hmm. participate in or in, are unaware of. So why? Why do we keep wanting to do this topic?
0: Um, one reason that I really want to do this topic is I am becoming more and more uncomfortable with uh, boundaries. Yeah. What I'm seeing on social media and also some stories that I'm hearing um, just make me a little bit sad and it's made me think that maybe our pendulum has swung too far in the wrong direction mm-hmm. and I just think it's time that we really question what's going on. The things that make me sad are when I see um, pictures posted on social media of a woman with a large wine glass that says on it because kids yes yeah and I just think oh yeah um mommy's little sippy cup yes uh these things just make me uncomfortable and I don't think it's sending the right message to our kids yeah and so I'm uncomfortable with it I'm also uncomfortable because I think that excessive drinking while it can be really fun and I've certainly partaken in that (laughs) it's not healthy
1: mm-hmm.
0: for an individual and a family. And I feel like we're normalizing something that's potentially really dangerous.
1: Yeah. I actually, I looked up the other day what the definitions are for binge drinking. And cause I think that initially the question is, okay, is all alcohol a problem or is there a certain amount that's healthy? Um, I was actually talking about this with a client the other day about how, You know, everybody kind of, I think, develops their own code of what's appropriate for themselves. And I think it's good to have a code because you want to have that sense of, like, when are things getting off the rails? Like, when are we moving too far in the wrong direction? And interestingly, the amount of, of alcohol for binge drinking for women can be as little as three to four drinks in one day. And when I think about... Some of the just simple encounter, like social engagements I've had in recent memory, that's probably one bottle of wine per person. And there are, you know, that's, I always think to myself, well, but it's over many, many hours, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but the thing is, is that for us ladies, the amount of wine that we're, or alcohol, servings of alcohol that we're sensitive to, is actually a lot smaller than what what guys can consume. Our metabolisms handle things differently. Right. It's it's crazy to hear that
0: number for binge drinking because I think we have all normalized, and not all, but a lot of us have normalized a much larger amount as binge drinking. So, yes. 3 or 4 drinks in a night, that feels like a pretty normal amount to drink, but if that's
1: considered binge drinking, whoa exactly and when I when my oldest was little we used to refer to wine as mommy juice and I thought it was really cute and funny yep and then I I can't remember when it was but he said it to somebody else and I felt a little embarrassed because I was like oh that's probably for one it's making him think that like when I grow up, I get to have this different kind of juice, you know, <laughs> which, you know, and and I just was, I, I was making it feel, it made me feel like it gives the impression that we drink a lot more than we do. So I kind of, I dialed that back, but that's always been something that, that I've enjoyed. And I feel like it's also part of how people perceive me. And, um, even when I've been pregnant, there's always been a part of me that feels like I'm missing something. Yeah. Though I think I've also learned over the last many years that maybe I rely on that a little bit too much as a crutch too. And so there is this element to it where it's like I enjoy it, but at some point it can also cross a line into being something that I rely on, Yeah, you know? Yes. Yeah. And
0: I think it's easy. You know, I just had this happen last night where my daughter had major emotional meltdown in between school and gymnastics. And as I dropped her off, I thought to myself, oh, my God, I can't wait for dinner and have a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. And it was one of those moments where I thought, oh, is that really my go-to coping tool? Mm-hmm. Like, is that really what I want to rely on all the time? But it's true. It's, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's socially acceptable. Yes. It tastes delicious. Yes. Yes. It
1: works. Mm -hmm. It's reliable. Yeah, I think that's that's really the hard part, right? Because I think that as moms, we are on all the time. All the time. And one of the things that, that being on all the time means we're usually really overstimulated. Yep. We're trying to stay focused on many, many things at once. And that is an incredibly overwhelming environment. Yep. And so what happens is we all kind of reach this place where we start to want to tap out, where we start to want to be able to feel good to counteract all of that being on and being hyper vigilant and being aware. And when we think about the things that are like the range of things that feel good. Um, so like my list is a bath, a a run, um, laughing with friends, um, Let me think, you know, spending time with my husband. I'm sure there's a lot more on that list. But the challenge is which of those are accessible to me while I'm still in parent mode? Right. And so that's where wine becomes a really easy go to because we have this. I can't drop everything and go for a run. Right. I can't just call a friend. And maybe, I. you know, maybe that is one that's more accessible than I let it than I acknowledge it could be. But when you're in that place of of overload, your range of options is relatively small. Yeah, which,
0: you know, you bring up this great point that I feel like when you're in that mode of I need something, it's sometimes it's hard to figure out what's going to work and what can work in that moment. But I, I feel like as women, we're not really spending a lot of time developing our coping skills and really preparing for those moments. Like being a mom, you're really in constant triage, right? Like it's, you're constantly fielding problems. There's problems from work. There's problems from kids. There's problems from home. There's your own social world. and. Rarely do we ever really think ahead to. So the next time this happens, what what are my go-tos? What yes. can I do? We're yes. just, we're winging it. We're doing the best we can. And yeah. so wine is so easy. It's yeah. easy to numb out. It, it, you know, it just, it takes the edge off. Yeah. But oh my gosh, there probably are so many other things that we can do. It'd be nice to have different options other than just wine.
1: Totally. And the thing is, is that when we think about soothing, we look at soothing across our different senses, and taste soothing is the most easily accessible, preferred soothing method. From the time we're born, you know, and so it's kind of funny. I just had this image in my head of like, what if we were all standing around instead of like a bottle of wine, we're standing around like a bag of chocolate chips and everybody's like (laughs) guzzling the chocolate chips, right? It would it would be soothing. Um, It would not be intoxicating, which would have some benefits. But I think that most of us wouldn't do that because. We have other ways that we want to cope and we don't, we wouldn't want to be perceived that way.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Which is where that culture comes in of this has become a really um, celebrated way. Yes. You know, and, and we're talking about kind of wine culture being this is one way that moms are running to cope with life, which... We'll talk about later kind of the the ramifications of that for our kids. But the other side of this that I get really bothered by is the wine culture of this is how we, um, this is where relationships are formed. Yes, over this is how we connect. Bin, yeah, over binge drinking together. Yes. And, you know, I didn't question this before in life because it was always just fun and it was easy and it really does make social gatherings interesting. Mm-hmm. And I've always had a great time with wine, but I, I don't like it when there is this frat party feel mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, especially when we're grownups now and we have kids, I, the frat party is supposed to be over. So that, <laughs> why, why must the frat party be here? <laughs> that, that culture just really bothers me. Mm-hmm. And I, I am not against drinking, mm-hmm. but I really do wish there was just less focus and emphasis on this is how we're going to connect. And mm-hmm. I wish there was a, it was not the main event and there was maybe a bit more sophistication around it yes. where it's, it's not excessive. It's,
1: yeah, you know, I know we have, uh, I'm embarrassed to tell this story, but it, it's still, it's it is relevant we have in my neighborhood and um, so I we at my house we tend to have a, a pretty nice sized wine cabinet and some evenings we have lots of different families that live around our house and um, on the weekend sometimes the kids will be playing and we'll crack open the wine because the kids are playing and we're just we're hanging out we're talking we're connecting I love those social connections yes. it is so much fun. But I also, like, aspire to be the most perfect hostess. And what that means is that if you're at my house and I notice that your glass is getting low, I'm going to quickly fill it because that's me being a good hostess. And unfortunately, our neighbors have coined this term called getting dailied. And (laughs) what getting dailied is is when you hang out at the daily house and you don't realize how much you're drinking because your glass keeps getting magically being refilled. And then you really don't remember much of what happened that night. And I, I am so embarrassed that that is like, you know, if my name was going to be turned into something, I'd, I, I would like it to be a little bit different, <laughs> <laughs> but I also, and and the, the hard part is, is it all comes from this really good place. Yes. We're all having a great time laughing and connecting great. and, Loving that the kids have relationships with each other. And at the end of a really long work week, I really need to be able to have that sense of community because it just it, it just gives me a wonderful way to blow off steam. Yeah. And we're just trying to figure out what do we do to not <laughs> injure anybody from here on out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but here's what's so important for all of us to take a look at is how big of a role does wine need to be in our community? Yes. yes. And I'm not saying it doesn't have to have a role, that it yeah. can't be there, because good wine is amazing. It's and I, fabulous. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but that community, we want to make sure it can stand alone yeah. too,
1: right? Yeah. Well, and we live in this neighborhood that has a very big community pool. And the pool, as I think all pools do, has a policy, no glass of any sort at the pool. And the funny thing is there will always, the pool all summer long will be filled with these grownups who I kind of wonder like how it is that they can spend all day in the pool sitting there drinking beer. And I have never really drunk at the pool because I don't like to drink beer. And since the what I drink doesn't come in um, non-glass containers, <laughs> I've just never done it. And a few, I guess last summer, Um, a a wine brand I like came out with like wine in a can. And by the way, a friend of mine tipped me off that you can actually move wine from its original bottle into another container. (laughs) So I discovered drinking at the pool and on one hand, it made me like look forward to going to the pool, which I admit, I don't always look forward to going to the pool with my kids. But on the other hand, it now opened up like that. I could start drinking at noon on Saturday and I was like, oh gosh, this is (laughs) probably, I I kind of was like, I need to rewind the tape and go back to, (laughs) no, you don't drink at the pool. And I do kind of like, I I wonder what it's like for the kids to see all of the grownups hanging out, kind of focused. I mean, on one hand, I'm like, we're modeling social relationships, which I think is fabulous. On the other hand, I wonder how much they're registering, how much we're drinking. Right, right. And and this is where
0: the lines get really blurry for me because I want there to be fun. I want it, it to be relaxed. I think that in the summer, drinking goes hand in hand with that. But then I think I'm always thinking ahead to how are we getting home? Yeah. Like, what would it be like if I had to call an Uber for me and my kids? How would yeah. I explain that to them? Yes. And, or what if I didn't call an Uber? You yeah. know, I just think that we, <clears throat> it brings me back to think, If the limit of binge drinking is three to four drinks, but we think binge drinking is more like seven or eight.
1: Yeah. If we have three. Or blackout drinking is actually
0: how I used to think of it. (laughs) So if we have three or four drinks at the pool and that's Mm -hmm. normal to us, Mm -hmm. not binge drinking, our our realities of are we okay are not really true. Mm -hmm. And then how much are we putting our kids at risk?
1: Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there's this thing of, so Melissa and I both, for different reasons, have done periods of time mm-hmm. where we've consumed no alcohol. Yeah. I mean, I, I assume everybody who's had it, who's given birth and carried a child probably has had an extended period of time without alcohol, but um, for for choice, not pregnancy-related. And um, so my husband and I do a thing every January. We do dry January. And it's really mostly built on the fact that there are a lot of parties in December. And normally by the end of December, we're like, we just need a month of like detoxing (laughs) and um but the funny thing is I always do kind of also enjoy it because that's where I can develop like alternative coping strategies because I'm not going to do my go-to so I must feel like one out of every you know 12 months is probably at least what I should be doing to learn those other coping strategies but Melissa you did a longer one right I did so this fall I did three months dry yes and tell me about what that was like for you
0: so, honestly, I felt incredible. Okay. You know, because I, I'm i in my 40s, and I'm, I've been to the point where I've, in this past decade, really scaled back my drinking, mm-hmm. because I realize when I wake up in the morning, if I've had more than two glasses of wine, I really, my body does not like it. Yeah. So, um, I went for three months. I felt so good, but I realized how uncomfortable other people were with me not drinking. I know.
1: I was um, wondering if you had any kind of an estimate of how many times people asked you oh my gosh about why you weren't drinking, how were you surviving? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And it it was it was interesting because different people react in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um some people might reach out and be like, hey, let's go get a glass of wine, like we would normally do and meet up for late night drinks. Mm-hmm. And I would say, that sounds great, just to give you the heads up. I'm not drinking, mm-hmm. so let's meet at, our, at this wine bar, which mm-hmm. I loved going to because I could go and order sparkling water, and they would bring the champagne bottle of sparkling waters and fill it up for me just like they were filling up the wine glasses in a wine glass. Beautiful. It was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. But I had a lot of people be like, oh, I didn't realize that. Well, why don't we wait until you're drinking again?
1: No. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: wow. Or are you okay? Mm. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Um uh, it, we had some larger dinners, especially for my husband's business, where I wasn't drinking and, you know, they wouldn't say anything to me because I don't know them very well. But then my husband got a lot of questions like, what's oh, wrong yeah. with your wife? Doesn't oh. she drink? What's, almost like I was did the Did you get the pregnant things did anybody? Think... Yeah. A, mm-hmm. Didn't, you know, nobody asked me if I was pregnant. It was more, are you okay? What's mm-hmm. wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I did get a lot of, uh, Pushing to come on, do do you really need to be? I don't understand why you're doing this. Just have a drink, come on. So it made other people really uncomfortable Uh to be having a drink and me not having
1: one. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I've had a a very similar experience. Um, Only doing it for a month, like. It's probably just it it doesn't really feel like that big of a deal. But we do have different events that are kind of regularly on our calendar where um that haven't wine involved. So those get noticed a little bit. yeah, um it's funny though because like this year was probably like the fourth or fifth year in a row that we did it. So the people who were involved in those events all knew, oh, yeah, it's dry January. <laughs> so that was nice because there wasn't that kind of pressure. However, I will say I I don't think I really hung out with my neighbors all of January. And part of that might have been because it was January and we all spent a lot of time together all through the fall and um but it was I did have this kind of moment of like have we lost our our little momentum. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. You know, and and I I should say with with the the kind of my solid relationships they were very understanding right of it course. changed nothing but with the people that i didn't know as well it felt awkward and uncomfortable so i realized what a role wine played in putting everybody at ease, making yeah. us join. Um, so my heart really breaks for women who are sober. Yes. And I think about, you know, we've we've read a lot lately on the rise of alcoholism in women, mm-hmm. especially in their 40s, mm-hmm. and it is a huge problem. Yes. And if if you are listening to this now and wondering whether or not you have a problem or if you know you have a problem, you know, we really want to tip our hats off to you and encourage you to get the help you need to address yes. it. But also, like there's life after drinking, mm-hmm. right And so, but I think we also need to let the people know who do are who can drink in moderation and it's not a problem for their bodies that let's not back away from people who are sober yes. right yes. we have we I have a we're friends with a a couple they're really good friends of ours and um he is sober and has been for over a decade. Mm-hmm. and I really really love our time together because. Mm-hmm. When there's not alcohol, I feel like you get into deeper conversations and it's just genuine connection. Mm -hmm. But he's even said that a lot of people can't handle Mm -hmm. not having somebody drink. And I think that we need to be aware of... Why would we back away from people just because they're not drinking?
1: Yeah, well, and you know, the funny thing is, just even as you're talking, I realized I think honestly the reason why I haven't, I didn't see my neighbors in January was probably we didn't invite them over, you know, <laughs> because I, I I think that that's exactly what happened because I was thinking about I don't want to be in this awkward position, so I'll just wait until we're out of dry January, but at the same time. For, for I think that just those little glimpses are really insightful to what it's like to not feel inclusion. Yeah,
0: yeah. I just can't help but think about when I left college, I was a very heavy drinker in college. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. no, I mean, anybody who knows me in college is probably like, what? I can't believe she's saying this about wine because she was a pretty big binge drinker. <laughs> oh, gosh. One day, a few years after college, running into some not my best friends, but acquaintances and people who we partied with all the time, I realized, like, I don't even really know these people. Uh I have nothing to say. Like, we drank a lot together
1: and had a lot of fun, but was there any real substance there? Yeah, I know. And it's... I think that we have so many activities that... And and maybe it, it has even kind of evolved this way. So I know that I've been in book clubs through the years. And... It, I don't know that I've ever been in a book club that doesn't have wine as a central feature, right. right? And I think about what that must be like if you are sober and would also like to be in book club. Right, you know? right. And just the explanation that people demand when you're not willing to participate. And the sad part is is that it's they do that for themselves, right? Like they want to be able to feel okay. They want their permission slip to be able to drink. And if you're not drinking they're extrapolating that you must think that their behavior is wrong, right? Right, right. So it's kind
0: of a little bit of everybody needs to do a reality check with themselves Mm -hmm. of how much are we using wine in Mm -hmm. good ways and bad ways, and how do we want to use
1: it? Yeah, and then I think it's important for us to have this sense of being open to lots of different approaches, and maybe also trying to figure out how to keep ourselves in check. Um, Right. I know I have one neighbor where we've kind of made a pact with each other that we will keep an eye on each other so that – because what happens is we start laughing and talking and having fun, and then we're not paying attention to what we're drinking. And then it's like you can't take it back.
0: (laughs) Right. And (laughs) and when things are so fun, it's easy to be like, one more. Exactly. And really what you're saying is let's keep hanging out. Keep extending the fun. Maybe we – you know, does it (laughs) –
1: Does it have to involve the alcohol? (laughs) Right. Then the last part of it is – what does this look like from the perspective of the fact that we're growing these little people? Right. And we want them to have these senses that, um, of what it is to have like normal, healthy behavior. They are watching us yep. like incredible little sponges. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I think about is the message they might get. I have the wine glass that says I drink because I have kids. Right. Right. That has
0: to feel so, I would feel so guilty or bad if mm-hmm. I was a kid thinking like, wait, my mom drinks because of me. What? Yeah. I mean, that
1: that's just not the message I want my kids to have. I'm trying to remember when it was, but I went through just kind of a, a tough period and I just was having a, I, I was very short fused. Mm-hmm. And I would always explain to my kids, like, I'm just frustrated. One of them, one of them at one point said, you know, mommy, I'm so sorry that I frustrate you. And that really affected me because I, I was like, she wasn't what was frustrating me. I was frustrated because I was I had too many balls in the air and was trying to do too many things at once. And that had nothing to do with her, nor did she choose that I would do that, you right. know? So that kind of made me really check myself and my attitude when I'm, when I'm around my kids. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things where like, in some ways, maybe wine can be a lubricant towards that. But on the other hand, you want to be able to have this sense that, the version of us that they get is relatively consistent, right? That there's not the, um, Version that gets home from work and is frustrated, and then mom. Then ha- by yeah. six,
0: they're relaxed because they've had right. their wine. Exactly. Like when I when I see on shows or whatnot, like don't talk to mom until after she's had her first glass of wine. Yes, or for that matter, her first cup of coffee. Yes, right. Like
1: <laughs> I, I just I, our yeah. kids
0: pick up on everything,
1: all of it. Yes. And
0: not only do I want to be the best version of myself around my kids, I don't want to teach my kids that when you grow up to get through life, you're going to have to drink.
1: Yes, it's funny because one of mine has decided to tip her toe into the idea of drinking coffee. And that's been a really interesting thing for me because I, you know, so, you know, I work a lot with people who have sleep disorders. And so I think about the impacts of caffeine on children. Mm-hmm. And um, so I am like the caffeine police when it comes to my kids. I don't even let my 14-year-old have caffeine. And uh, so there's that. Like, I, I don't really, I'm not going to let that that kiddo have caffeine Period. But then there's also this part of me that I think that she views this as this is how you become an adult. Yeah. And I mean, and it's funny. It's something that Jeff and I have gone back and forth on because to him, he's like, yeah, I like coffee. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I agree. But at the same time, it's like I want them to kind of feel like they can be their own little packages that function well. Without having something that they have to have. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. But it is interesting how they're trying to make sense of who they're going to be as adults. And if what they see is, you know, it's okay to binge drink a lot. Yes. It's okay to be not feeling well the next morning because of it.
1: I just, I'm not
0: sure we're really setting them up for the best life.
1: Yeah, I think that I don't necessarily expect that my kids would never touch alcohol. Um, like, that's just, I, I I don't, I just don't expect it. But on the other hand, I would love for them to be balanced yes. and be able to appreciate, like, fine things in small doses right. versus, like, trying to get as much into their systems as is humanly possible. Right.
0: And that's, that's my beef with wine culture these days, is I feel like the pendulum has swung to making it all about wine and the party, and yeah. really what where we all are best is in moderation, right? Yes. So how are we, are we showing our kids how to live in moderation, how to not be running for wine anytime you're frustrated and how to enjoy it in a way that doesn't harm your body or your brain or your reflexes or your relationships?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that the thing is, is that, so we always have to think about the idea that what we model, they're very likely to mimic. Yeah. And, that's where i have like i don't i got rid of all the silly wine glasses that might say funny things and don't love them you know and the other thing i do is i i really try to make sure that they're aware of the fact that it's not something i do every day so we've actually become really conscientious about the idea of not 7 days a week with dinner yeah. and really like And and trying to manage also it not being like, Oh, it's Friday. So Right, right. (laughs) But really trying to find that balance so that we can hopefully raise balanced kids. Yeah. So I go back to last night and I ended up not having
0: wine because I had that moment and I thought, if my kid was having a really hard day, would I be like, Well, let's think about what substance you can use to escape this (laughs) And I was like, Ah great way to put it. like, yeah. damn it. All right. Let me think of something else I <laughs> yes. can do to yes. roll with this. And you know what? I was fine. And what, did, what
1: did you do instead?
0: So I actually, after I dropped them off in gymnastics, got in my car, turned everything off, turned my meditation app uh-huh. on, calmed down. I was fine.
1: Nice.
0: Um, and so I also think if they didn't have gymnastics, I wish... I I would hope that I would pick a coping skill. They could see me do it. They could see there's other ways to calm down and relax minus just escaping. Yes.
1: Yeah. I think that that's a fabulous way to do it. I discovered the world of like kind of handcrafted sodas. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's kind of, to me, a fun way to do that. But then, you know, that that goes back to taste soothing. So then I think it's also good to say, like, what else can we do that will feel good? And honestly, there are some days when I take a break. My kids are old enough that I can do this. And I say, mom's going to go get into her very nice bathtub. And she's going to have, like, a big mud mask on her face. And she's going to be unavailable for about 20 minutes. And you're going to be okay. Don't kill anyone. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So I think these are just important issues to bring up. I want everybody taking a look at Am I living a life that I think is really working for me and my family and my kids? And am I modeling how I would like my kids to be living? And then taking a look at, am I also in my community making space for everybody that I care about to feel included? And it's it's just important to really feel good about where you land. And Mm -hmm. you can land anywhere on the spectrum of drinking. We're not Mm -hmm. trying to shame anybody. We're just saying know where you land and why
1: yes thank you so much for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode of the curious mother
0: if you liked what you heard the greatest compliment would be to share this with your community of moms and
1: to give us a great rating on itunes follow us on instagram at the curious mother and check out our bios and resources at thecuriousmother.com thanks for listening